This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a friend of ours, Alana Frankel from Indigo and Hayes on the show, Native New Yorker. Welcome to Halo Talks. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Excellent. Excellent. There'll be no sarcasm on this channel today, but if you have a little bit, we'll keep it in and not edit it out. So um, uh, why don't you, what I want to accomplish here, and, and you've got a, a thriving uh, CBD cannabis business um, uh, branded in New York, and um, you've had some life experiences that have kind of brought you here, and you've also got a great background in more traditional jobs that people have. So you know, part of the goal here today would be to educate our listeners on the benefits of CBD, kind of a little bit of a tutorial and where you think that that market's going to is talk about you as an entrepreneur and and taking the step and getting partners and, and building a business, um, you know, from from scratch. Uh, and then, you know, some of the tips that you have uh, along the way and, you know, where you see the future and, and what it looks like. So why don't you give your background on where you're from? where you started, and then we'll get to educating uh, all of us on on the sector that you're in. Great. I love to lead with education. It's the most important part of this journey, for sure. So as you mentioned, I was traditionally in a traditional profession. I started out in publishing. I was an editor at a variety of different magazines, but particularly working in the design field, interior design and architecture. I had sort of been in the field a long time. I had made it to the Style Editor Architectural Digest. I thought, oh, I've hit the top. This is it. I got there. I worked there. I was miserable. So Any I, listeners have the same feeling right now? <laughs> Join the halo sector. So I made the switch to online retail, but the online retail experience was brand new back then, e-commerce, and we really focused on storytelling and editorial to, to, to sell. Mm -hmm. And so at One Kings Lane, which was the company that I worked for, I was the style and eventually creative director there. And it was wonderful. We put together an incredible group of creatives to establish a creative agency within the organization. So we were able to set up our own photo studio to create content assets for not only the website and for selling, but also for advertising, marketing, blogging, editorial, print in real life experiences. And it was exciting. It was fun. I was traveling. I was going here. I was going there. And then I had an accident. Tell I us was, what happened. I was in Miami, Art Basel, with girlfriends for mm -hmm. a girls' weekend, which I never do. I just I don't like being away from work. I don't like being away from family. But I said, you know what? For two nights, let's try it. So flew down to Miami, got to the hotel, was sitting by the pool, had some lunch, hanging out with some girlfriends, went upstairs to get ready for dinner. My girlfriends were taking a very long time. I do not take that long. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm gonna go downstairs to the bar. I'll have a glass of wine. I'll wait for you there. Mm -hmm. Great. Was sitting at the bar, ordered a red. Wasn't particularly liking it. Thought it tasted funny. So I just stopped drinking it. Maybe had two or three sips. We got to the restaurant. We ordered appetizers. I stood up. I said, you know what? I'm not feeling too well. I'm just gonna use the ladies room. Opened my eyes. I was having a CAT scan. Wow. So do you know what happened? Do you think you, you got the, the 
Wine was spiked, or you think you had something going on? Well, independently? at first, at first, <laughs> so the first thing that came to my girlfriend's mind was I was roofied, right? And so I don't remember this because I was passed out on the floor. But apparently, she had called my sister, and my sister had asked for me to be tested f- to, to see if I was roofied. And although I don't remember it, apparently at that moment I must have heard it unconsciously because I stood up and said, "Nobody roofies a middle-aged suburban mother of two. And then I went back down. So <laughs> when and uh, I got to the hospital. I was tested for a whole bunch of different things, including mm-hmm. being roofied, which I was not. Um, and the final assessment was, we're not sure what happened. Hmm. Okay. We're not sure if it was a seizure, fainting, fainting, seizure. All they know that happened was I fell back. I fractured my skull. The, the impact was so intense that my head thrust forward. And so my brain hit my cranium and I damaged the frontal part of my brain. So the back and the front. I woke up with two big black eyes and a fractured skull. You look great now compared to that visual, by the way. Thank you. But the worst part about it, if there could be a worst part about it, was Mm -hmm. that... I, my brain was swollen. I had a TBI, mm-hmm. a traumatic brain injury, and my head was swollen. I looked and acted like a stroke victim. Side note, one thing I do remember is that they didn't have a s- private room for me in the beginning, so I had to share a room with a 65-year-old man who had Tourette syndrome. Oh, and wow. I do remember being in better shape than he was, right. but still not in good shape. So I basically was slurring my words. I was short-circuiting. I couldn't take any stimuli. If the lights were on, if somebody was talking to me, God forbid someone should be talking to me head on and to the side, I would freak out. And that guy's uh, talking all the time, right? I mean, the profanity that came yeah. out of that guy's mouth, while yeah. it was like, you know, for me, exciting, it was a little bit insane. Right. Did you learn um, anything new on the profanity side? I kind of feel like you could I be did. in an encyclopedia That's a whole for other that. episode. That's another episode we can get into, but yeah. That'll be the explicit version, exactly. at least after 11. The director's cut. <laughs> Halo at night. <laughs> Halo at night. I like <laughs> Write that down. Halo at night. Um, so anyway, so um, eventually I got into a private room and eventually uh, my mom flew down to come get me because my husband stayed at home with our children. We have children. And uh, the doctor said, listen, we need her to stay down here for three months. She wow. can't fly. We don't want her to drive back in case she needs medical attention in the middle of nowhere. My mom was like, no. Like, that can't happen. I mean, financially, it couldn't happen. But also for a mental state, it couldn't happen. And also for my personal life. Yeah, your life. kids would think that my you... My kids, my husband, my job, everything. Mm-hmm. So she negotiated with the doctors that I can get home if she finds me a flight where the... Um, uh, the, the uh, Felt like a medivac or something? Well, or? I, they first said medivac to me, and then that was the financial thing. We yeah, looked sure. at the numbers, and I was, I mean, we were all like, whatever. Um, yeah, it's like thirty times a yeah, first class exactly. flight to, <laughs> exactly. to Asia. Or something. So if <laughs> if if she could find a flight where the marshal, the air marshal, was trained in TBI, oh. I could and I can get on that flight. I can go home. So just as a side note, yeah. like there's an air marshal on on every flight. Is that is that true? Back then. Back then. I don't know about now, but I think back then it was pretty After September 11th, there were were literally like um, undercover U.S. marshals on every single domestic flight uh, for several years. It was unbelievable. For sure. And this was five, six years ago. Right. So uh, we got on a flight and um, 
The reason why I know we got on the flight, I don't really remember much of it. What I do remember is being one of 10 people on wheelchairs trying to get onto the flight and me being the youngest by far. Right. There are a lot of stroke victims. So this U.S. Air Marshal was like a specialist in... And God knows what he could do in the middle of like 30,000 feet. Like, you know, with 10, 10 on yeah, one. exactly. Like a, at that point, it's like a soul cycle class of like <laughs> right. trouble, right? right. right. Like we do a group X here, landing in three hours. Everyone keep breathing. So we got on the flight uh-huh. um, and I got home and I got right into bed. I mean, the, the so idea. So they let you actually go home. They let okay. me go home because quite frankly, the, the healing process for a traumatic brain injury is bed rest. They right. can't do anything until your brain is not inflamed anymore and, and calms down. And the rest is just what it is, the rest. So you lay there in bed, you have no stimuli, the lights are off, no TV, no loud noises, mm-hmm. nothing. Just, after, just one, yeah. one, one, one point on bed rest, just for people that are... Um potentially pregnant or going to be pregnant, they should know that bed rest actually means stay in your bed. It doesn't mean house arrest, right? I mean, you literally stayed in your I did, and that was really challenging for yeah, me. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> really challenging. I just want to make that definition clear for, for people. When you say house arrest versus bed rest versus, <laughs> yeah. you know, light exercise, like those are three distinctive things. <laughs> and it's not a bed on the second floor either. <laughs> it needs to be a bed on oh, the yeah. ground floor. Yeah. So... After a couple of days, even in my state of uh, short circuitness and, and, and inflammation, this wasn't working. This wasn't working for anybody. And it mm-hmm. wasn't definitely going to work for up to a year, which is what they told me it was wow. going to be, maybe even up to three. And at this point, too, you get back to New York and everybody knows the top neurologist here and the top neurosurgeon there. And this person, you got to talk to that person. Blah, blah, blah. So I ended up having appointments with various neurologists and they all pretty much said the same thing. We don't know what the damage is. We can't understand what's going on until the inflammation recedes. Mm. And that is bed rest. Got it. That wasn't going to work. I, I couldn't do it. We couldn't do it as a family. Mm-hmm. So my husband started to do some research and Although I had been in, in, the, in the publishing industry for a long time, I'd also been a yoga and continued to be a yoga teacher. I got certified in 2001. Uh-huh. And so I was open to alternatives. I was open to acupuncture. I was open to Reiki. I was open to anything that would get me to where I need to be so I could function again as a human being, as a mother, as a wife. So he came back with the traditional acupuncture Reiki, but he also came back to me and said, I found some obscure literature online. It was obscure then. Mm-hmm about CBD. And in my still short-circuited state, I was like, he translated to what is that? Mm -hmm. Because he now could speak my language, my slurred language. And uh, he said, it's cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's no way I'm getting stoned. Right. So once you explain to people here in in, a short period of what the difference between the seed, how the plant works, CBD versus THC and and then talk about the research that, sure. that you found and At tested. At that point, I was ignorant. I didn't know. I had been a responsible recreational user occasionally, and I knew about medical marijuana, and that was it. So I knew that spectrum. I knew at one end, people got stoned to have fun, and I knew people got stoned to help them with nausea at chemo. Right. But what I didn't understand and didn't know is this whole area in between on the spectrum, this whole area of the plant, the plant compounds, what, what it means to have a plant extract. And so through learning and unlearning, we spent a lot of time 
researching and talking to people. And we were very lucky in that we had contact with people who were much more educated than I was everywhere from cultivators and growers to manufacturers and, um, you know, plant specialists. And this was how many years ago? Because the industry was five. Yeah, so the industry was basically just turning into a legitimate business, and there was a number of right. And there was planters a, and right. And there was a different experience on the West Coast versus the East Coast. Sure. Yeah. So the West Coast, you know, this was nothing. Um, but to prohibition prohibitionist East Coasters, you know, this I, I had no idea. I had wow. I had no clue. And so we, like I said, we spoke to tons of people. We educated ourselves, and what we came back with is this idea of using the compound within the plant CBD versus THC. Mm -hmm. And in very simple terms, they're both compounds of the plant. They're both plant extracts, but the CBD oil is non-intoxicating while the THC oil is what makes you feel stoned and high. Right. When you, when you take THC, mm -hmm. which I might've done a couple of times recently responsibly, um, and responsibly, on an air, aircraft, not in the exit row. Anyway, um, when you take THC, does it also come with CBD or does it actually separate the two for... So it depends. And that's the other thing that we had to sort of educate ourselves about is that there are different uh, strains. There are different types of extraction processes. There are different plants. There's the hemp plant. There's the marijuana plant. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people look now at ratios of THC to CBD, two to one, one to one. So what you're looking for is what you need. So if you are in the need for a more relaxing flight and you want a more THC-based experience, you're going to look for a strain or some sort of experience, some sort of protocol, whether it's vaping, tincture, topical, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, edible, that is going to be higher in THC ratio than CBD. Gotcha. So, you know, fast forward to your use of it and what results you got and then why that... You know, why yeah. you decided to actually get into the sector versus saying, hey, I'm, I'm a user of this product and that's enough. So we found a protocol that worked for me. And one of the things that is very challenging with cannabis is that it's a personal experience. So what might have worked for me might not have worked for you for various mm -hmm. reasons. I'm a woman, you're a man, hormonal imbalance. We have a different internal footprint, uh, et cetera. So I found the protocol that worked for me, and what worked best at that time was a tea. So I would uh, drink a uh, hemp-derived uh, tea, CBD high, CBD rich. What, what, what kind of dosage, like how many milligrams is, were you taking versus like if you take five milligrams of CBD or right. take five milligrams of tea, so, so you might get point, a little. At that point, I didn't know. I didn't care. It just was how I felt. It was just trying to understand how much I needed to feel better. Got it. Okay. So I started with a cup. I just made myself a cup of tea like I usually do. I'm a big tea drinker. And so oh. I was comfortable with that. I understood it visually. I understood the experience of drinking tea. It wasn't scary. And um, we then started started to play with how many cups of tea it took to, you know, the, the idea is you start low and slow. So you start with a small amount and then you figure out what your dosage is and what your threshold is. And then you start to go back. When, when you say a threshold for CBD, you know, like what, what could happen to you? Because you, obviously there's not any component to the yeah. so CBD some though. of the side effects of yeah, CBD are, are uh, uh, diarrhea okay and a rash okay or 
Um, for some people, CBD has um, a calming experience, and for some people, CBD can keep them very alert and awake and focused. Side note, I have a friend in North Carolina who tries our tea that we have now on the site, and she takes it about two o'clock in the afternoon in the office, and she is like highly focused, and she will get work done, mm. and she is like, this is amazing. I take CBD before bed. I sleep like a baby. Mm-hmm. Got it. So um, you saw dramatic improvements, not only in how you felt, but also when you were taking subsequent CAT scans and, and the inflammation went down. Is that so? What I you never saw? actually got a subsequent a CAT scan. As really? a matter of fact, the idea was for me to just get better. I, at that point, didn't really want to be part of the medical experience anymore, the typical mm-hmm. medical, traditional medical experience, because basically, they never even told me to get a follow-up CAT scan. They're just like, come back when you feel better. And we'll assume your brain has, you know, deflamed. That, um, that's that's very, um, that feels troubling. Of like, yeah. well, you don't want to see me, like, let's set like a milestone for you and for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it, was, it was challenging. It was yeah. definitely challenging. Yeah. Um, and so when I started to feel better, I started to get up out of bed Got it. and make small moves. Um, Mm -hmm. I was able to play with my kids. I was able to return an email. One of the side effects that still is, is a little tricky with me is I lost my sense of smell and taste. Taste has come back from, from from the the fall. Right. Yeah. yeah. Taste has come back, not Mm -hmm. fully, but close and smell has not come back at all. Wow. Which has been fascinating to experience, especially when you're working in an area with aromatherapy and terpenes and things that uh, mm. smell is important. So that's been also a fascinating mm. side note. It so, could have some positive benefits if totally, you go to the gym when you are you sit the, next to someone who's like, or an airplane, or like, whoa, this guy. I'm is the not, mother of two boys. I'm uh, fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like a positive side effect. Obviously, not, I got to find the silver lining in everything. Silver lining, yeah. So um, I started to feel better. And I started to feel better enough that I actually went to work one or two times a week, hmm. pretty rapidly, like within three months. How were they related to understanding that this was kind of an open-ended, not sure when I'm coming back? Oh, they were amazing. On. The company was unbelievable. That's awesome. Um, I've never uh, been more grateful and been more uh, f- and felt more loved <laughs> in a company uh, than I did at One Kingsley. And they were extremely... Um, happy to have me back, happy to have me back one day a week, two days a week, and eventually five days a week, and eventually at full speed. So I was very grateful, and, I'm, and I continue to be grateful to this day. That's great. That's what, great. I, what, what I didn't do, though, when I got back to work is explain how I got there. I was still at that point unable to articulate to people that I was feeling better because of cannabis. It sounded crazy to say mm-hmm. out loud to myself, let alone in a company because everyone said to me, how'd you get back so fast? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, bed rest, you know, yoga, acupuncture, deep breathing. My voice gets really high when I'm not really fully telling the truth. And so <laughs> I fun. focused Better on that. Better than your nose getting bigger. Exactly. So I sort of, you know, didn't really talk about it very much. Because it wasn't as socially acceptable you know, three, four years ago? hundred percent. I mean, it still has some stigma attached to it, a little bit less, but still has some stigma attached to it. And quite frankly, it sounded ridiculous. It sounded ridiculous to say to people, I was drinking hemp-derived CBD-rich tea and I'm able to get up out of bed. Yeah. Now, are you able with... So let's fast forward to your your company now. 
and how you partnered with your founders. Are you able to make some of these claims related to like how it helped you and like a testimonial? Because obviously it's not like FDA approved or, you know, you can't say this. Like I, I always And nor that. would I want to. Right, I mean, sure. honestly, I'm not in the business of yeah. telling people that this is going to cure this. Right. Take this and you will no longer I, feel that. I always see those Prevagen commercials like we're going to make your memory better. And then it's like this is not approved by the FDA. And then they get... They have to pay a fine, like, I don't know, they pay fi- a lot of fines, but they seem like fine with it because they're, they're making enough money on the on the advertising. I don't know why things are shut down. Yeah, it's we're crazy. not there yet. We're so you. far from you. there I yet. I got you. Okay. So what we decided to do, and what I decided to do basically is, you know, I said to my family, listen, this experience has been an eye-opener. It's been great being in in this business for 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 a long time, publishing, um, editorial, e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's something here, and I think that there's something incredible here, and I want to make a go of the CBD world as a business. So where did the the name Indigo and Hayes come from? That came from my husband. Um, we were we were um, fooling around with names. Uh, wait, that sounded a little like I shouldn't say fooling around with my husband. Yeah. We were <laughs> we were playing around with names, and he. We're, we're probably not going to edit that, by the way. Just let it go. Just let it go. You know, what's his name, by the way? Dan. Thank you, Dan, for your research and your. Is he working brand marketing or is he in finance? He was in toy design at the time. All right, Dan. Welcome to the show remotely. <laughs> So uh, he knew for years my love for the color indigo. Mm -hmm. He knew that um, I love indigo fabrics. I love indigo, (coughs) the color, the paint, anything having to do with indigo. It's my it's my thing. Uh, I'm colorblind, so I have no idea what color that is. <gasps> oh, we'll talk about your your blood vessels later in your eyes. But um, <laughs> we we uh, love the, the the word indigo. We mm-hmm. love how it was evocative without being too evocative. Yep. And um, he's the haze, quite frankly. So I love him to death. He's one of the smartest, most incredible people that I know. But he lives in a haze. Like he lives up here in this world, 30,000 feet above all of us. And mm. he floats around and he thinks he's an introverted thinker and he's just in a haze. And so like we talked about uh, the word indigo and then we talked about the word haze. And then all of a sudden he said, why don't we just put them together and call it indigo and haze? Love it. It clicked. It was nice. Trademarked. Done. And By the so, Frankles. <laughs> Tashman. He's a Tashman. Oh, he's a Tashman. Uh, Frankel. And Tashman, <laughs> Indigo and Hayes. All right. So, uh, so we we talked about it, and then we actually talked about needing uh, a partner. Mm-hmm. We talked about wanting to uh, work because a collaborative experience was a much better experience for me. And so we talked about trying to find partners. And I had been talking with my cousin Justin for years about partnering up in a business. We had talked about previously a couple of other ideas, tried to make it work, wasn't really the right timing, et cetera. But I called him up and said, listen, where are you? And he said, I'm on the train heading back from the city to my house. What's up? And for the next 40 minutes while he was on the Metro North, I laid out this whole idea and by his stop, he was like, I'm in. Gotcha. And then, so, so the, so the, the three founders of the company are you? My cousin, Justin, cousin and our Justin. third, our third founder then was a friend of Justin's who's in finance. And he said to me, I have got this friend who's also been uh, talking about CBD. Why mm-hmm. don't the three of us meet? Cool. Three Great. of us met. And that was about two and a half years ago. 
bit more, probably like okay. three, three and a half. Um, and we sort of were trying to figure out what it looked like in that time period, because back then um, it was much more of an underground, especially on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. People didn't really talk about CBD, not like they do today. It was sort of a, uh, you know, people needed education. And when you said cannabis, they went straight to marijuana and they went straight to getting stoned or they went straight to, do I need a medical license? Mm -hmm. So, uh, or medical card. So we realized there was this whole gray area, this whole sort of um, area in the spectrum that we wanted to sort of explore we thought about it in terms of wellness, and that's how we sort of started to think about it, wellness. Mm-hmm. Not recreational use, not hardcore medical hospital use, dispensary use, but this whole area in between wellness. So we started talking about CBD wellness and what that looked like. And what it looked like to us was an everyday experience because what I was sort of and continue to be fascinated with is that CBD particularly is a plant extract, not unlike aloe, lavender, echinacea, St. John's wort, any sort of plant extract that you would put in anything, topicals, tea, uh, essential oils, Mm -hmm. to create a certain experience. Lavender for comfort and relaxation, St. John's wort to help you sleep, uh, echinacea if you have a cold, all of the things that we are used to hearing and are used to seeing in health food stores and quite frankly in big chains, but that are... um, accepted. Mm -hmm. And so for me, normalization and destigmatization meant that trying to let people understand that this is a not THC, it's not intoxicating, it's not going to get you stoned, but it is a natural anti-inflammatory, naturally antibacterial and it, and hemp derived, it's a natural moisturizer. So you've got your, your team put together. It was about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Where can you buy the products now? And, and what you're, I know you're doing a lot online. Is there also a distribution points that you're looking for in traditional retailers? And so we started off. I saw off, some in a yeah. deli the other day, like had like a yeah. frog that looked like, like a too big of a gummy bear for me to even consume whatever. Please don't buy that. Yeah, no, actually. <laughs> Please actually, don't buy that. I actually bought it and then I threw it out. Cause Thank I was like, you. this is like, <laughs> So we started off first and foremost, um, seeing what we wanted to sell basically. And what I wanted was an everyday moisturizer. You get out of the shower, get out of the bath, you, you moisturize your skin. There was nothing out there. There was a lot of pain salves. There was a lot of pain management products. Mm -hmm. I'm sore. I pulled a muscle. I'm at the gym. I put this on. I feel better. That's great. That's not what I wanted. I wanted an everyday, um, experience for people to feel like they could just go to CVS and instead of buying user and receipt fill, whatever body moisturizer they used, they could buy our product. Gotcha. And so, and like I said, because it's naturally anti-inflammatory, moisturizing, antibacterial. And so we partnered with a formulator and a maker in Colorado to create this body lotion. That was our first product and continues to be um, a great product and a bestseller mm-hmm. to this day. And then we... Um, found a uh, essential oil, purely balanced essential oil roll-on, which I have a sample here. Thank you. And Lovely uh, bottle. Thank you. And a bunch of other different products that we wanted to create. But then we also found, because of my experience with the tea, that there were people out there doing great work and great creating great products that we wanted to sell. So we decided on this business model of a marketplace where mm-hmm. we would be able to provide our own label for products that I didn't see on the market, but okay. as well as partner with vendors who are already established and have great product that we would resell. 
Got as it. a typical, like, you know, retail experience. Right, right. So, so your, your goal here is your, your brand becomes more of the, the place you go as a trusted source Correct. to get this. Because and it's, it's not, highly curated. Right. We don't have very many products. We're really, really particular about what we put on the site. Mm-hmm. And because we focus on inspiration and education as well. So the beginning, before we even went online, our business model was like a Tupperware party. So we would go to people's homes. Right. The homeowner would invite 20 of her girlfriends. Sometimes the husband would come along. And um, we would throw a Tupperware party with our product. And we would spend a lot of time educating people. We would spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time talking to people, helping them learn and unlearn. And sometimes they bought on the spot. Sometimes they didn't. At that point, it didn't really matter. It was almost like focus group marketing research Mm. for us. But what ended up happening is, yes, they did buy. But then they also ended up letting it sink in. And a couple of days later, we'd get online orders because we set up a... A, a website. Gotcha. We continue to throw these Tupperware parties and go to people's homes, and it's still the most successful, most um, rewarding experience because part of it is that sense of human interaction mm-hmm. and one-on-one contact and explaining, educating, like I said, learning and unlearning so that you feel you don't feel overwhelmed or you don't feel like you're doing something illicit or, uh, you know, scary. Gotcha. So last question, as, as you see more and more of the consumer, large consumer product companies, you know, going to start to put CBD in because now it's more uh, mainstream, you know, do you see your company as, as remaining independent? Do you see, you know, Indigo and Hayes potentially becoming a marketplace for others that are, um, you know, that, that maybe gets rolled into a larger e-commerce platform? You know, what, what's your view of the, of the company? Because there's obviously going to be a lot of people knocking on your door that are going to say, hey, I want to get into the sector. And instead of me setting up my own platform, you know, why don't I, I acquire your company or why don't I become, you know, an affiliation with you? Because I feel like the, the industry is moving so quickly that being an independent company might not, you know, you might get great offers for the business because it's like it, people want to jump in and they want to get in now and not wait. Yeah. So we're here right now where we are. And, uh, you know, I get this question a lot. We're, we're, we're a marathon, not a sprint. Good. And so we're here for the long haul. We didn't get into this, uh, for the quick buck. We didn't get in this for the, uh, the glory. (laughs) We got into it. I got into it because I believe that this plant is a healing plant and that for so long we have been, told the wrong things and lots of people have suffered because of it. Mm -hmm. And it is time to reverse that course. It is time to bring back the plant as it once was a healing tool and make sure that when it does go out into the marketplace, whether from us or whether from Big Farm or whether from the bodega, Mm -hmm. that what's going out there is good product, safe product, Mm -hmm. well-made product and product that works for you. That's great. Period. End of story. Excellent. So why don't you give everybody the uh, the, the web address and uh, we Love can convert to. them into listeners. Feel feel free. Indigoandhaze.com. Thank you, Mr. Hayes. And uh, look forward to, uh, to taking some CBD, testing it out, see how it helps me. And uh, congrats on the success. I'm sorry to hear about what happened, but you seem like you're even better than before. I feel great. Awesome. Thank Thanks for you. being on the show. 